0: All right, uh, you know Harlan Ullman well. He's the uh, chair of the Kilowin Group. Does a wonderful job. Uh, also, uh, the uh, senior advisor there, the Atlantic Council, on uh, everything else. Distinguished columnist, the latest book we've been telling you about forever. you got to read it. The Fifth Horseman and the New Man, a massive attacks of disruption, became uh, the looming uh, existential danger of the divided nation and the world at large. The aforementioned mention, Dr. Harlan Ullman. Sir, welcome. Good to have you back.
1: Good morning, Kay happy day after
0: President's Day. Indeed. Indeed. A lot of reflection, maybe. A lot of reflection. You know, you were two very important notes here. We'll get into the... And of course, Harlem Run's a great opinion piece (laughs) in the Hill every week. Um, I want to get back to Wednesday. Uh, You put two very old men running for president. a Congress, badly broken. Wars going on we know about. And uh, a public probably more divided and divisive since, uh, what, 1860 or thereabouts, we all know what happened in that in that era, and America becoming uh, one continuous nightmare from which we seem unable to awake. Well, you put it bluntly and succinctly, uh, according to many, sir.
1: And the problem is the situation just gets seems to get worse and worse. The fact that the House of Representatives <laughs> is in recess, it's a combination of cowardice and incompetence with crises on the border, obviously in Ukraine, Israel, and the need to support Taiwan. Uh, I find it inconceivable that the president, who cannot recall Congress, but he can recall a special session. Harry Truman did this in 1948 to bring back the Republican No know-nothing Congress to session. And I think that's what President Biden needs to do immediately. We can't have Congress out of session coming back a few days before, for example, the government could shut down simply because we're working on a continuing resolution. As I said, the Navalny assassination, all these things going on at once, remain paint a very, very black picture, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, Biden uh, hauling a call to Zelensky over there. Uh, you know, it, it see. Well, listen, the Senate passed the bill, sixty billion or so for Ukraine. Mike Johnson, the House Speaker, said he doesn't plan to bring the measure to the floor here. So where do we go with this thing now? Uh, Zelensky is oh, awesome. in dire straits. Russia's on the move. We got a two-year anniversary coming up on Saturday. Uh, where are we at here?
1: Well, it gets worse than that. Johnson flew down to Barra Lago to see Trump, and. Basically, the view is, let's, let's stall because it's going to help us win the election mm. in November. Uh, this is absolutely outrageous. This places Trump above the country. And as I said, we are in dire straits. Now, you're going to get to my column yesterday, mm-hmm. in which I argue that the only way that the country could have put itself in this position is if it were a KGB plot. And that for years and years and years before there was a uh, KGB in the 1920s, when Felix Dzerzhinsky ran the Secret Service, the Soviet Union began recruiting uh, useful idiots to be able to uh, infiltrate countries. And that just kept on going and going and going. And that's why we're here. Now, obviously, this is tongue in cheek, but I conclude by saying that the only way out of this Condition we're in is first, if Donald Trump is convicted and sentenced to jail before the election, and under those circumstances, Joe Biden can stand down because no longer is he the only person who can defeat Trump because Trump is no longer on the ticket. The only issue here is what do you do with Kamala Harris, and the solution would be to have her run as vice president. Uh, And I argue that the only organization capable of carrying out this double coup is the KGB, and the KGB no longer exists. So uh, obviously the situation here is desperate, and I don't see any real solutions, as I said, unless the president uh, calls for a special session of Congress to bring it back into
0: where it can do some work. And and to me it it won't happen because uh, he's uh, preoccupied with, with having ice cream cones on Rehoboth Beach. Uh, And, you know, you make some good points here. We're in a real conundrum here, uh, Holland. Uh, You know, even today, today is uh, the deadline for Jack Smith to respond to uh, that emergency filing from Trump asking the Supreme Court to step into the dispute over whether he may claim immunity uh, from prosecution. We all know that he asked the high court to temporarily block that decision from a federal appeals court handed down earlier in the month. Uh, you know, it's just an over and over and over type of deal here. And, uh, and it's real, it's a real mess. You know, you've got Gaza, you've got Ukraine, you've, you've got uh, a country divided here beyond belief. We have uh, a border as porous as could be and, um, You know, not only from the south, but the north, the numbers are are just appalling. Um, And right now, we've got a couple of old guys here that are certainly uh, at the very heart of it. You wonder. I don't think, though, jail time will be in play here. You actually think jail time could be in play here for Trump? Certainly in the Georgia case, absolutely,
1: if that Mm -hmm. case goes forward. But Teddy Willis has made such a mess of it that uh, who knows how the judge is going to uh, decide. I find it not only ironic, but I find it unbelievably depressing. I watched some of the hearings with, with Fatty uh, Willis and her ex-lover, Mr. Wade,
0: mm. and
1: I was appalled that they could be prosecuted. They just struck me on the stand as being, at best, third or fourth uh, level lawyers or attorneys. Uh, There was no gravitas at the fact that they're prosecuting the president, the ex-president of the United States, even though they have an ironclad case. The evidence against Trump, by most accounts, is overwhelming what he did. But we are where we are. And then on top of that, Trump goes off and says to Mr. Putin, do the hell whatever you want in NATO. And as some of your listeners may not know, this past weekend was the major security conference held in Munich for the past 60 years in which all sorts of very, very senior people gathered, and the mood was as black as the depths of night in terms of what's happening, given in America, given what's happening in Ukraine, given what Putin has done, given the depth of uh, the boundary. And also, at corresponding to the same time, a uh, former president and prime minister, um, Nadezhda, uh, said that the Russians would be, forced to use nuclear weapons under certain circumstances. And that's not a lot of nonsense. But the fact of the matter is, having said it, raises the nuclear specter again, even though it's not a serious comment by Medvedev but he made it.
0: Well, not only that, but the intelligence from last week, uh, Holland, regarding the satellite disruption, as far as Russia being, Russia being at the center of it, with nuclear weapons, uh, into uh, outer space, no less... Thus, a, a sizable threat here, and that only adds—that uh, only adds to the discontent and the uh, elevated tensions that have certainly centered around Vladimir Putin. Uh, not only with the war going on there and the the threat of nuclear weapons all throughout, but now you have this in play here. So you get a sense, even more so, uh, as far as being accentuated, as far as the fears here. Go ahead. But there are two uh,
1: points that need not be forgotten. There is a treaty that bans nuclear weapons in space. Now, you could argue the Russians would argue that. But if they do have a nuclear weapon in space and they detonate it, uh, why do you think that Russian satellites will not be equally affected? So even if the Russians were to do that, and the events the consequences would be catastrophic, they'd lose GPS, cell phones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it would also affect their satellites. So there's no way that they can distinguish between destroying ours and destroying theirs. Now, they can say, or perhaps they have some of their satellites that are nuclear-hardened, but certainly not all of them. And, for example, it turns out they're, depending very much on the use of Starlink, uh, uh, Elon Musk satellite uh, constellation, in Ukraine. So if they did ignite a nuclear weapon, it would just deprive them of using those. So there are some constraints on, on Russia. So I'm not sure that the threat is as imminent or as dangerous as people think. But psychologically, it is very, very worrying. And it adds to this entire toxic mix of what's happening at home and abroad uh, to make people very, very uncomfortable, if not fearful
0: no question Holland Ullman with us uh, you got to catch the piece uh, every uh, every week uh, in the hill on a monday uh, the opinion piece tremendous uh, writing Holland um, you know Ukraine another another 60 billion or so uh, we understand we understand Sweden has stepped up a little bit here as far as uh, what they're going to give as far as uh, what 630 Denmark. million or so um, and You know, it's the same old story with Zelensky, and I understand it's a dire situation for him, two-year anniversary coming up this weekend. But I think a lot of people right now want to see where this money is actually going. You know, can can it be categorized as far as the already, what, 150000000000 billion-plus already that has been given to Ukraine? I think a lot of people want to see where where these dollars are going at this point. Uh, you can understand well, yeah. that,
1: no. I agree with you, but first of all, there's not that 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 amount is not uh, is is excessive been sent, but we have sent a great deal.
0: Well, it's, it's got to be it's got to be somewhere in the range of 130 150 billion. I would say right in that range. Uh,
1: only if the 60 billion gets approved,
0: I think we sent about seventy right. But, in other words, after the that, 60, right after the yes, yeah, that's correct,
1: Jake. Okay, but the bulk of it, 90 percent of it is being spent here in the United States to replenish the weapons that we've sent over. Remember, we haven't built any particular weapons for Ukraine, but the ATACMS, the tanks, all these other weapons... The ATACMS we, yeah. Uh, the Bradley fighting vehicles, all the ammunition has come out of our stockpiles. In fact, it, it is so bad that the Marines in the Western Pacific uh, no longer have any anti-tank weapons because they've all been sent to... Uh, Ukraine. So the, the, the vast bulk of the money has been spent here in the United States. That case has been made, but it's not been made sufficiently enough. Uh, my view is that, and you will find this uh, an interesting comment. The only way out is we don't have the KGB to help us in this particular case. Um, Joe Biden, as I said earlier, needs to recall and have a special session of Congress, and he's got to make a state Uh, uh, address to the American public to show him to be decisive he cannot shed any of his age he's an old man and he looks it but he can show himself to be decisive and I think that's what America wants regardless of its president they want to see leadership and they want to see a president who is acting decisively and why Biden is not doing that now I, I cannot understand it would seem to me that this is a perfect opportunity now, he is on the West Coast for a number of reasons. The West Coast is going to be deluged by another massive rainstorm. But I still think the president has to be seen as being decisive. And I think he needs a major address to the United States, well, address that he can saying over and over. And if he doesn't do this, if we go for the next two weeks and the Congress stays out of session, uh, this may not be a catastrophe, but it certainly is not going to be good.
0: No, it's not going to be good. And don't forget, he's got a State of the Union address on the docket as well, uh, in March. Right, uh, and that'll be, that's going to be a make or break deal as well. Listen, all eyes are upon this guy, uh, and this is why these numbers are are just in the toilet for him. Uh, Americans are not happy with his leadership, without question. Then you have what's going on as far as the Gaza situation, where they the U.S. proposed a temporary ceasefire, Harlan uh in a draft UN resolution warning against an Israeli ground incursion into Rafah. Again, it's you know, the displaced Palestinians have have fled during this conflict, over a million or so. Uh you know, y- you you've got you've got a double barrel here right now, uh, all aimed at this White House as far as how they are going to uh put the play here. Uh they have traditionally uh, protected uh, Israel, as we know, from UN actions here, and repeatedly resisting calls for a ceasefire. I mean, Netanyahu doesn't even want to discuss it right now, you know. Uh, and 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 quite frankly, you know, you 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 must, in my estimation, one has to finish the job here against Hamas—a complete eradication, as far as this terrorist group is concerned. So. Uh, What is the, the, and and I understand humanitarian and everything else here, but there is no way in creation that they're going to have a ceasefire. We know that.
1: There is, uh, at the time being, there is no way, uh, unless the United States is to intervene and put great pressure on Netanyahu. And that is of high risk, obviously, to any president. But the fact of the matter is, Hamas, will not be and cannot be entirely eliminated. Hamas is like a cancer that persists throughout someone's body, and you can't cure it just by cutting off an arm or a leg. And while that analogy may not be perfect, what's happening is the Palestinians in Gaza are being put through the most horrible circumstances uh, regardless of whether they support or do not support Hamas. And if this Rafa offensive continues and it becomes a situation that resembles genocide, which it may well do, the United States may have no other option except to take a strong stand and put great pressure on Netanyahu and hope that his government collapses. But this in itself is going to be a catastrophe because you've got a substantial part of America, who obviously is very, very pro-Israel, who supports the president, but as we've seen in Michigan, with Congresswoman Talib saying that you have to do something for the Palestinians, in a humanitarian sense, uh, she has a point. And so you have this horrible contradiction of what needs to be done and can't be done. And as the war continues, more and more Palestinians will be killed or wounded in this conflict. And we seem to be powerless to deal with it. And it's this impotence. On the part of the White House, which needs well, some kind of a decisive change if Biden is going to show himself to be someone who deserves to be reelected.
0: Listen, um, right now, like I said, it's a conundrum with the White House, how they go about this whole thing. Um, we know that Joe Biden right now doesn't have any influence as far as Netanyahu and, and the IDF. Zero. Uh, and let's face it, uh, Israel didn't start this war hall, and you know that. They did not start this mess. And uh, and that's something right now. And I'll tell you what, it, this White House is in such a pickle between Ukraine and Gaza and everything else going on within the confines here. It, it, this is going to be beyond belief as far as the finish is concerned. Do you feel, and a (laughs) final thought here, do you still feel that Joe Biden is going to represent the Democratic Party uh, in Chicago come August?
1: Barring an untoward event, yes, I absolutely do. Uh, I know that the calls to stand down, as Lyndon Johnson did in 1968, will continue. But unless there's a medical event uh, or something else, I see no reason why Biden would stand down. Uh, However, you, the situation this is a situation in which not only are there no good options there are no options if you were in the white house what would you do about gaza if you were in the white house what would you do about ukraine i suggested bringing congress back that's one thing but we have these problems in which you've got the collision of interest which makes any solution on the one hand unfavorable to your constituents and supporters and will have negative consequences elsewhere. I have, don't believe in my lifetime I've seen a situation domestically and internationally that has been so precarious. Right. Now you have the Houthis still shooting intercont- uh, ballistic missiles, and on top of that it's been reported that they've got underwater throw. These are Houthis. I mean, one would not think that they would be so technologically advanced, but the fact of the matter is, Drone technology is not that technologically advanced. Look what's happening in Ukraine. And so now you have a tiny percentage of of people being able to block the Red Sea. So, anywhere you look, there appears to be chaos. And on top of that, just look at the United States, the number of mass shootings that have been taking place over this past weekend. um, It it would seem that the world is ablaze and we don't have any firemen.
0: Well, there's no leadership here. Part of the issue is there is sheer weakness in the White House. There is no confidence I'm not sure. at all. I'm not sure. No, I don't I'm not sure this. No, weakness. come on. There's no there's there's utter weakness here which is part of the problem. Part of the issue here. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. No matter who is president, if George Washington or Abraham Lincoln were president today, the number of crises and problems are just massive. And put yourself in the position. Uh, in the White House with an election coming up. I mean, the demands are overwhelming. Uh, Here's the thing, that-
0: Holland. You you ask yourself, why does all this start? Okay? Remember now, in Gaza and everything else, you go back, go back to the 7th of October when it all began. You know where it all began. And you know who gave the order. Okay? Go back to those days. Okay? As far as Iran and everything else. Uh, there is utter weakness in this White House which has perpetuated a lot of these events, a lot of these events. Now, if you had strong leadership here, I'm not so sure this would have taken place, honestly. Not so sure. Not so sure it would have taken place. But people understand when there is weakness, you can get away with stuff like this. Now, you and I have always battled. We go back to the days of that botched withdrawal in Afghanistan. I know how you feel, and I'm not looking to resuscitate the argument, but you you have to realize here, and I think a lot of folks realize, when you have weak leadership, okay, this is what happens here. When the well, cat's okay. away, the mouse okay, will okay. play. You know the side deal.
1: The let, me, let me take the other side of the coin. We had great strength in August 1964 after – non-attacks by North Vietnamese PT boats brought us into Vietnam. You had a president standing up to stop communism on the Mekong. You had George W. Bush with great leadership after 9-11, blundering into Afghanistan, blundering into Iraq. That was strong leadership. So be very, very careful when you espouse strong leadership when it gets us into huge trouble. We need intelligent leadership and the situation in gaza which took place on october 7th looked was a creation both of the abraham accords put in place by donald trump and then the diplomacy put in place by joe biden that was going to bring israel closer to the arab world and hamas said this ain't going to work now you also see and we have intelligence reports that iran is very concerned that its proxies may be, may be doing too much, feeling a provocation. But the fact of the matter is none of these incidents started rather like Athena jumping off from the brow of Zeus. They have deep histories. So when you say weak leadership, sometimes maybe weak leadership is better than uh, misdirected strong leadership. But I just ask people to think about uh, our past history for the 60, past 60 years in which strong leadership got us into huge amounts of difficulty.
0: Holland, I understand what you're saying, but right now we have utter chaos. Utter
1: chaos. And we need intelligent leadership,
0: and that's lacking. I agree with you. Uh, There's no question. You and I agree on that. It is absolutely lacking. Yep. Uh, Yep. Read Holland's column uh, in The Hill. It's uh, every Monday. It is spot on with a lot of detail and everything else. Uh, Dr. Ullman here, chairman of the Kilowin Group, senior advisor, the Atlantic Council, and, of course, distinguished columnist, the fifth horseman, and the new MAD. Sir, welcome back. Glad you're on U.S. soil, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again.
1: Great, Jay. Have a good day. Take care. Appreciate it all.